So we start with the Yavada. Okay, here's the Yavada. Do <laughs> relax. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't get complicated. <laughs> Simple, huh? <laughs> uh, no, it is. Uh, you can get complicated because the you know, language is very, can be very refined. And certainly, Buddhist language can be very refined, dealing with details and uh, very, very big range of technical terms that can be applied. You know, it's all true. Yeah. But it's like if you come into your body and you get the doctor to describe the various hormones and chemicals in your body, you think, my goodness, what's all that? And they described every detail about your tissues and all the technical language for that. My goodness. And if you describe everything about your teeth and what could happen and might happen, what to do if this happens, you think, my goodness, what's all this, you know? It's so complicated. Meanwhile, your body's kind of walking around, doing things. <laughs> and some it's useful to have there, you know, okay, it means how to slow down, how to go faster, you know, so it's not irrelevant, but you can have too much stuff to deal with, yeah? You end up just thinking a lot all the time you know, and carrying too many things around in your head about Dharma practice, so I thought I would suggest, you know, when we use something like Satipatthana, then actually this is, the Buddha said, this is the straight, direct, undeviated, clear way. Yeah. Well, the ending of sorrow and stress. Oh, right. The ending of grief. <laughs> For the purification of beings. And for the realization of Nibbana. So it's really like urging people to look just this way, you know, this path. So, and then it's like, well, it's we just know you're in your body, know there's a body, and know it's not yours. Know what you experience the body is just a series of tactile touches and things touching your body and internal energies moving around. Don't be in there. You don't own it. Don't be to own it. This is, you know, it's not even the visual impression of your body. It's just this series of tactile sensations and energies and heat and coolness and pressure and warmth and you know, just arising through birth. And you, meanwhile, when you relinquish this idea of being somebody inside it, what happens? Well, what's possible is that you realize, oh, this is awareness that no one can be sense all this. It doesn't have to be inside or outside. It can be covered all, yeah? and that place is really doesn't waver, steady, and it's so accessible. So even just this foundation alone. <laughs> You keep returning to that. Who's in this? Who has it? Nobody. But this isn't just an idea. What gives you the impression of there being somebody in here? 
generates a kind of good thing, one thing, worry, hoping, resisting, favoring. You can take some time in the day just to lose that. You know? If we can keep some of that attitude as we move around in our day. There are plenty of complexities, but the complexities are complexities of our thoughts. Our bodies have complexities, there's different diseases and constrictions and local tensions and variations. So you keep something that's kind of quite clean and open to receive this and you know, I keep releasing the stress. And this is really, you know, the Buddha teaching is just this, this truth how the stress occurs through gripping on these five aggregates bodily form bodily feeling just the fit the bodily aspect of it the gripping, that's what causes stress around that grip sense of self occurs don't get rid of the sense of self just relax the grip, sense of self dissolves sense of self it's, no, it's not that you are clinging, but clinging creates you. We don't realize there is clinging. So holding something open like that, with no pressure or obligation, then you can detect, well, there's this bit of a cling there, there's some resistance, there's some failure, there's some grappling. There it is, I didn't notice it before. Because this is what the Pavidya, ignorance, covers the whole thing. You get hoodwinked. Your mind gets hoodwinked. And it means you won't look somewhere else. There's the way out of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Really suffering, where's the way out of suffering? How do I do it? Which is the best way to do it? Which way should I go? Do I need to be Sotapan? When can I be a Sotapan? How much suffering do Sotapanas have? That's still a bit. But the Agami, please, how do I get there? So it's it's like someone standing at the entrance to a path and they keep looking for the sign which says an Agami is this way, Sotapan is this way. You are that way, looking for the signs, they're looking at these words, and maybe this, maybe that. Meanwhile, they're thinking, well, some people wear boots, maybe I should wear boots, but some people say no, flip flops are much better. And some people say, no, go barefoot, that's better. So maybe one barefoot, one flip flop, or maybe, you know, we don't go anywhere. <laughs> You're standing at that top foot of the park, just fiddling around, hurrying. <laughs> When you get from fiddling around the mind, you say, just be quiet. Yeah. And the thing we can bear in mind is a kind of frame of reference. You know, if you, we like to, our mind likes to divide things into categories. Box there, box there, box there. This is Sita, this is Samadhi, this is Panya, this is Samatha, this is Vipassana, this is Metta. And it, yeah, yeah. But actually, there should be no, there should be no boundaries. The sila is the beauty of the heart. Yeah? Heart being happy, beautiful. 
Samadhi is the settling into the beauty of the heart. Panya arises, and the heart is free to see where the diseases are. There's no breaking in that. So in this way, we can say, you know, if you're just keeping five precepts and really acknowledging the, the qualities in the heart that sustain them and, and that break them, we have a good way of guiding ourselves. Whenever we sustain these moral virtues, yeah? and it's not just I've done good, but actually feel the sense of freedom from regret and remorse as a risk. This, in this sense, I feel very confident. No one need blame me for this. And that's what counts. They will blame me for turning up late. They will blame me because I don't look the way I should. They will laugh at me because this is not that's their business. My business is do I blame myself for regret, reasonable source of regret. No. I mean no harm, I do no harm. If I make a mistake, I try to understand it correctly. That's already, you know, using Satipatthana directly on the chitta. Yeah. So it doesn't break up there. And so this is my meditation bit, and then this is just, you know. In a life in the world, we really need that simple, steady reference point. This world is throwing all kinds of obstacles and temptations and pressures your way. You need know, something pretty simple and steady you can stay grounded with. What bodies are for? Don't lose it. You may be contented. You can, you know, see that it does involve a degree of renunciation, because you need that liquor, you know, sense of indulgence, foolish speech. That means you've got to learn. Don't put that in any way. Word. This, this, more you can develop that, the freer you get. You don't want the faith. You don't want praise. You don't want a new piece of bling to stick on the wrist. You don't want it. When you have all these things, they're just more distractions. And when we abide in that, we feel very strong, free. To move through this, this life, this world. And the other thing to really recommend is Kalyanamita. You'll need support, advice, guidance, friendship, companionship. More you can have even one person, you know, who you get straight, clear references from. Doesn't betray you. It seeks your welfare. Puts up bears with your difficulties, endures, puts himself out for your sake, then you have a priceless treasure. Just even one. Yeah. Now, if you've got a group of five or ten, then you know who will actually cooperate in a very good social contact, which is happy, comfortable, and heartwarming. This is certainly to be encouraged. Even if you only 
see each other four or five, three or four times a year, spared in just pointless, natural chit chat in the day, meaning nothing. <laughs> so I definitely encourage this. You know, you've all made good efforts, you've all struggled with physical difficulties, discomforts, being in a strange situation, having uh, you know, to hold yourself upright when your back hurts, and being out in the sun when it's hot, and these things. And uh, so, you know, that's really also just to give yourself that sense of, you know, I can discipline with some support. I can, discipline. I can bear with things that are not comfortable. Right? Give yourself the credit for that. And then the detail, and the more than that. Made some merit. And this will give you a long lasting welfare. You know when the, um, the great moment comes, when the final bell rings, and you said, we can leave the body now, so we won't like it now. <laughs> and you can look back on the retreat, oh yeah, no, I think I understand what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> Even then it's not too late. <laughs> But you just stores it all up. Sometimes it hasn't quite understood it, but it stores it up. Then five years later, oh, I get it. What's that? You know? His teaching is very rich and dense, so you've got to take it in and let it suck it and digest it for a long time. Certainly, you know, give you waking your intelligence and be blissful. That's my wish. It's my only wish. I don't ask anything else of you. I would like you to have benefited from this retreat. I'd like you to feel that however much you understood it understood, you feel you'd like to do more. Get greedy for more. More mindfulness. <laughs> more relaxing. More. <laughs> uh, you know, chanda. So I'd like to feel that you at least you feel you want to do some more practice. And uh, my blessings and encouragement to all of each and every one of you. Thank you.